Welcome to Reapproaching Christ, the podcast where we love the scriptures and bring you contemporary insights into the scriptures and Christ's perfect messages for our day. I'm your host, Dr. John Dunn. Welcome back to the podcast. Today we're going to take a look at how Jesus Christ molds us and shapes us into better disciples. Now, one great reference for that is the example of Paul in the Acts of the Apostles. First find Jesus prior to this, going through Galilee, teaching, preaching, and healing. That's how it's described in the scriptures. Teaching, preaching, and healing to him are almost synonymous terms. He teaches the doctrine, he teaches the truth, he preaches about the kingdom of his Father, and he heals the people, whether that's physically, emotionally, spiritually, and he gives his disciples his personal example of how they should treat people, how they should engage with people, and how they should love each other. So how is Paul going to become like that? How are we going to become like that? When you look at Paul, he started out at a very, very low standard of discipline. He was following the elders and the Pharisees, and he was absolutely threatening the members of the church, you know, Christ's young church here. Name was Saul at the time. And in chapter 9 of Acts, it says he was breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. So he desires these letters from the high priest to go to Damascus, to the synagogues, and find out if there are any disciples there, whether they be men or women, that he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. So here he is on his errand to destroy Christians, and he journeys to Damascus. Now, that's a long, lonely, hot road. It gives you a lot of time to think. And mind you, here he has been, as they say, threatening men and women. He's been wreaking havoc among the, the Christians. Is it bringing him any joy? Is it making him happy? He's breaking up families, tearing parents away from their children. Is this, He's thinking to himself, he's got to be along this, this long, lonely road, right? What the heck am I doing? You know, God's preparing him here. He's going to have this amazing revelation, right? But God's been preparing his heart. And he had to be thinking about giving God the sacrifice. What does God want? Broken heart, a contrite spirit. So God then, the light appears, he sees Christ, and what does Christ tell to him? He relates this in chapter 26. Here's what God said to me. Christ appeared and said, this is verse 16 of chapter 26, rise and stand upon thy feet. So elevate yourself, come up to a higher standard. Rise up and stand upon your feet. I've appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness. And we read on here, when he was going forth to do the Lord's work, it says he was, quote, this is Acts 19.21 and Acts 20.22, he was purposed in the Spirit, and he was bound in the Spirit. Now, how did he get that way? Because he repented. That was the first thing God did. He said, look, you haven't been acting appropriately. Look at what you've been doing. It's not bringing anybody joy. It's not bringing you joy or happiness to anybody. You need to change. And he immediately asked Christ, you know, what would you have me do? He wants him to join the church. He wants to be baptized. 
He wants them to enter into covenants. Above all in the Acts, what's the context of the entire book of Acts? The influence of the Holy Ghost in the disciples of Jesus Christ. Christ has been resurrected. The atonement's been worked out. And now he's directing the church from another location through the Spirit. Everything's done through the Spirit. So he has to get through to Paul, just like he has to get through to us. He wants us to repent, get a fresh view of what we're doing, be baptized, receive the Holy Ghost, and then the Holy Ghost will be inside us as this beautiful, beautiful lens through which we see the world and we can understand other people and we can understand what God wants of us. And we go forth with the Spirit, with the Holy Ghost, purposed and bound in the Spirit. Now, what does that mean, purposed and bound in the Spirit? Purpose has a lot of different reasons for being. Purpose can be to task you, to give you a job. It can mean to be resolved. Uh, Paul was very resolved. He was absolutely determined. He was very intentional about what he was doing. He went forth boldly to speak the truth of Christ to all these different people and all his different journeys over 30 years of, of missionary work. He was intentional, and what he told the people was relevant. That all comes under being purposed. Purposed also has a root of proposed, and that means he was going out and presenting Christ's plan, Christ's idea for consideration by others. We saw that on Mars Hill. He would go up to the, the Greeks and say, you, know, you have all these different philosophies, and you're yet worshiping this unknown God. Let's try and get into your minds who God really is. Who was Christ? Who is Christ right now? What's the Holy Ghost? That's being purposed in the Spirit. And we can do that as well. We can be purposed and relevant and resolved to open our mouths whenever we have the opportunity to let people know who Christ is to us and who we are to Him. Now, bound in the Spirit is another whole aspect of the Holy Ghost. Bound to me means encompassed. You're wrapped up in the Spirit. And bound can also mean restrained. Now, think about that. We're wrapped up in the Spirit. We have the Spirit with us at all times. But we're being restrained by the Spirit. What happened in the Garden of Gethsemane? Christ is there about to be taken. And Peter immediately draws his sword and cuts off the ear of one of the soldiers. What is Christ's response? No. He heals the man and says, Peter, put away your sword. Now, those who live by the sword are going to die by the sword. We turn the other cheek. I, I'm here to restrain you right now. When I'm gone, you will need the Spirit to bind you and restrain you. So much of our discourse today in public is just vitriolic. People are on one side or the other. We're, we're, the media is determined to break us into pigeonholed people to make us members of the blue state or the red state, the right, the left, where we can't even listen to the other person. The spirit, on the other hand, is going to wrap us up. It's going to find common ground with our fellow man. And just like Paul, we'll know the right words at the right times. So now he is this minister and this witness. So what does that make him? As he's standing up tall, he's elevating himself, He's able to approach people and help them with their fears, 
help them with their problems, help them with their challenges. Perfect example of that is in chapter 27. He's on this perilous voyage. He's in the ship that could be going down at any moment. An angel comforts him. And then he uses his spiritual gift from the Holy Ghost because he has received revelation from this angel that everything was going to be all right. And here we are today. We're battling all of these social and political and environmental challenges. But we all need this counsel and this encouragement, right? Because we're all in the same boat, just like Paul was in this boat with these other people, right? This ship. And the people come to him and they're concerned. And how can he counsel them? He says, chapter 27, starts in verse 21. Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me. I exhort you now to be of good cheer. But they're in peril. They're in danger. They have all these problems coming upon them, right? Be of good cheer. For there stood by me this night an angel of God, whose I am, I'm of God, and who I serve, saying, fear not. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, it shall be even as it was told to me. He understands the big picture. He understands how God is alive and how Christ is involved in the details of our lives, and he can reassure these people. This is what God wants. This is how the end will be. Save your place. Don't be alarmed. And isn't that exactly the ultimate result that we want to see in our life? So what was the ultimate result of all of this in Paul's life? If we turn to the very end of the Acts, chapter 28, there came many to him to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God. He is this beautiful minister and this witness. The ministerial part being what? The service. He's being of service to people. That's what God wants us to be, a minister. And he's also a witness. He's testifying. The Spirit is with him. The Holy Ghost gives him exactly the right words at the right time. So he is persuading them concerning Jesus of the law of Moses, the Old Testament, the prophets, everything from the beginning, from morning till evening. He's always, always expounding on Christ. And then it says, but some believed the things he were spoken, and some believed not. So here's this question. Did that make Paul a good missionary or not so good a missionary? You got to learn that it's not statistics that matter. If you're worried about your position as a disciple, just be the best minister and the best witness you can be. You remember Christ himself. He fed the 5,000, and then he went and fed the 3,000. Amazing miracles. He healed people throughout Galilee. He had these thousands of converts. He came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday with thousands of people extolling his virtues and calling him king. And after his crucifixion, Peter, the chief apostle, was addressing the church, which only had 120 members. Does that mean that Christ was not a good missionary? No. He was the greatest missionary who ever lived. Now, somebody asked me the other day, I said, we're studying Paul in our scriptures. And she said, well, you know, was Paul a very good missionary? And I said, we're talking about him today, 2,000 years after he lived. We're talking about his travels and how he expressed himself through the Spirit. He was a marvelous missionary. So how did Paul end up? After this process of refinement, which we're all going through, here's what the scriptures say at the very end of Acts. 
he quotes the prophet Esaias, and he says, you will talk to the people, and they will hear, and they won't understand. They'll see and not perceive, but you need to get them to understand with their hearts and be converted that I should heal them. And then Paul dwelt there two years, preaching the kingdom and teaching the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. At the very end of the book, how does he end up? Teaching, preaching, and healing, which is exactly what Christ did as an example for him. So that's our example to go forward. We can be great ministers, try and practice more service in your life, and better witnesses, try and testify, bring up Christ in your conversations, assure people that you are Christian, and that you know that he lives. As we reapproach Christ, we will see more of his perfect standards in our lives reflected in how we treat others. Great to have you here, and we'll see you again soon on Reapproaching Christ.